1: Lightning fans, you've found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the of a Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the lightninginsider.com Insider.com podcast Eric Rolinson here from lightninginsider.com coming after or coming to you after game number 7 between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders a one nothing victory for Tampa Bay they advance to a second consecutive Stanley Cup final their fourth final appearance in franchise history their third in 6 years going back to 2015 a thrilling edge of your seat, hold your breath for every time uh, going up the ice sort of game. Uh, but it didn't feel that way. It, like it felt in so many ways that the lighting were leading this game by a wide margin. They do end up winning it by just the one nothing score. Yanni Gord is the first player in for an NHL playoff history to score a game-winning goal in Game 7 of a one nothing victory in league history. Shorthanded. It's a shorthanded goal. So he's the only guy to do it. It is just the sixth time in NHL playoff history that the game-winning goal came via a shorthanded goal in a Game 7 situation. Steve Larmer of the Chicago Blackhawks was the last player to do so. Andre Vasilevsky once again coming up for this team, pitching a shutout in a series clinching game. That's all three series clinching games in this playoff, four consecutive. If you go all the way back to the 2020 Stanley Cup final against the Dallas Stars, uh, Andre Vasilevsky wasn't tested a ton in this game, but he did. What he had to do, and that was come up with the saves when it was time to come up with the save. That's what you want out of your goaltender. Stop the ones you're supposed to, and maybe one or two that you're not supposed to. But he stopped every one of them that he was supposed to tonight. And he helps uh, hang on for the uh, series clinching victory once again. And the Tampa Bay Lightning now move on to face, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the Montreal Canadiens. In the Stanley Cup final. Boy, if we needed a reminder how weird and strange of a world we're continuing to live in, that's all you got to know. Teams that are normally division foes are now going to be playing for a Stanley Cup uh, championship. Game one will be on Monday at Amelie Arena. Game two will be Wednesday at Amelie Arena. Game three will be uh, Friday. Uh, In Montreal, there are no games, 4th of July weekend, so they'll take off the 3rd and the 4th of July. So Game 4 will be on Monday, July the 5th in Montreal. That brings a Game 5, if necessary, back to Amelie Arena on July the 7th, followed by July the 9th back in Montreal, if necessary. And then if there's a Game 7, it would be on Sunday, July the 11th. All of those starts are going to be... Uh, 8 p.m. starts with the exception of a possible game 7, which would be a 7 o'clock start. All right, so how did we get here? We mentioned the Yanni Gord goal. We mentioned Andre Vasilevsky's once again shutout performance. But to dissect and understand how you get to a one nothing result, you probably got to go all the way back to 2018 because as you know the Lightning lost that Eastern Conference final to the Barry Trotz coached Washington Capitals and as you I'm sure you remember the Lightning had a uh, were in a 2-0 deficit in that series they end up winning three consecutive games now they're up 3-2 heading back to Washington with a chance to advance to the Stanley Cup final in 2018. And they get shut out. So then they return home for Game 7 and get shut out. And then, and I've said this, I don't know how many times, the seminal moment, again, for this franchise uh, in this era in this run, in this run of success that they have had, came in the ultimate failure. And that was the series lost to Columbus and specifically game number one of that series against the Blue Jackets. I, I know I'm repeating myself, but for those who haven't heard this before, that you have uh, a high-flying 62-win team scoring goals left and right get shut out or get get uh, swept out and in that game one Tampa Bay had a 3 nothing lead in the first period and you thought all right here they go here goes one of the more historic regular season teams gonna go on their march to redemption to get to the Stanley Cup final and finally fulfill all the expectations well we know what happened and they end up losing that game 4-3, to and it kind of all snowballed from that point on for Tampa Bay. And you end up losing four straight to Columbus. And before you blink your eyes, before you grow a couple of pieces of facial hair out of your chin, the, the season's over. And what was a record-breaking situation ended in bitter failure. And the quote, the comment from John Cooper after that loss in Game 1, set it all up. Set up last year, set up this year, set up how you get to a one nothing win in a Game 7 against Barry Trotz again and the New York Islanders. Because his comment, once they were up 3 nothing, he said, we tried too hard to get the fourth goal instead of working harder to prevent the first goal spent too much time thinking about one net and not thinking enough about the other net. And it, it's, it sent this franchise into soul-searching mode. And yeah, they made some changes. Uh, the additions of Goodrow and Coleman, of course, were huge. And, and last year having Kevin Shattenkirk around and you know picking up Zach Bogosian um, off the free agent wire after he was uh, bought out by the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, But it was the mentality shift, and and how you get a defensive effort like you did tonight. Because let's face it, they could have been up three, four, five nothing in this game at one point with a number of chances, with a number of opportunities that they had. I mean, the Islanders only had twelve shots on goal through two periods. The Lightning pretty much doubled them up in shots through the first two periods, and yet it was only one nothing. But they didn't. They didn't push for a second goal. I'm not saying they weren't trying to score a second goal. I'm not saying they weren't playing as if they, you know, spent time in the offensive zone because in the first two periods, that's where the puck was. They spent basically the first two periods buzzing in the Islanders' zone. It, it was to the point where all the Islanders were able to do was clear the puck and change. That's how much time they spent defending in their own zone. And Semyon Varlamov came up with some big saves. Didn't let anything buy him except for the shorthanded goal to Yanni Gord. Uh, But the shorthanded goal by Yanni Gord, guess what it's set up by? Good defense. Because Ryan McDonough, who is an unsung hero in this series and really this whole playoffs for Tampa Bay, He blocks the shot and the puck is on his stick and he's getting no pressure at all from the Islanders. You know, normally, you know, you'd pick up that puck in your own zone while killing the penalty and just fling it down the ice. But he didn't. He hung hung, on to it uh, and set up the play, waited for Alex Kalorn to get open. Kalorn would find Sorelli. Uh, Sorelli would take it in and draw a couple of Islanders players to him. Yanni Gord comes off the bench, calls for the puck. Sorelli puts it in a great spot, and and Yanni Gord quickly snaps it to the short side, pass Varlamov, so that ends up being the only goal of the game, which also is the only shorthanded goal the Islanders have allowed all year, regular season or playoffs. And uh, if if you like sweet irony, the call on Barkley Goodrow was cross-checking. Yes, cross-checking, which of course we know wasn't called in Game Six when it happened a couple of times uh, in pretty pretty bad areas, including that to Nikita Kucherov in the uh, first couple of minutes of the game. Uh, so if you like irony, if you're into that kind of stuff, pretty uh, caramel, karma, karma, karmatastic, caramelicious, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that the Lightning ended up scoring the only goal of the game while killing a penalty uh, from one of their players for cross-checking, but uh, uh, it kind of got off topic there. But, again, it, it's all because of how the Lightning have taken this approach to defense, this understanding of how to play defense. And, look, it, it never hurts to have Vasilevsky in net. He, he is such a, a difference maker when things do break down, and all teams break down at some point you know even in uh, late in the second period the islanders kind of had some push and found some zone time uh, then in the third um, you knew there was going to be a push and the islanders started activating their d they don't activate their d a ton but you really started to see their defense um, start to make plays you know start to take some risks because they had to their season was on the line and that kind of created some opportunities uh, for the islanders in the third and um in and But again, everything was kind of kept to the outside. The only really good chance that the Islanders had came on a rebound that came out right to Matt Barzell. And there was some open net as Vasilevsky was sliding back across to his right. But Barzell uh, whiffed on the shot attempt. He wasn't able to get his stick on the puck and it kind of flittered right past him. So that was really the best chance that the Islanders had. To uh, find the equalizing goal, goal, and then if you want to know, you know the grit and the determination that it takes to play good defense. If you've watched the tape and if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've watched the game, so you know exactly what what I'm going to bring up here. The Islanders were on a six on five. They had pulled Varlamov out of the net, and a puck gets free up ice, and, and Barclay Goodrow has about a half step uh, on the defense. He's not able to get to the puck. In time to score the empty net goal. But what he did was much more impressive because he was one on four. <laughs> he had four Islanders players around him and he was winning the puck. He kept winning battles for the puck despite being surrounded by four Islanders players. that's kind of the the determination the the willingness because defense isn't always just playing on your own end in this case for him it was playing defense by winning battles along the wall despite being outnumbered 1 to 4 so that's kind of where this this whole mindset for this team, where it shifted, and how you get to a game seven one-nothing victory. You know, that's that's two shutouts for Vasilevsky in the past three games in this series. But it's not all just the goaltender. I mean, he only faced 18 shots, and a lot of that is because of just how well the lightning protected the puck kept the puck in the other zone you know they use the old adage sometimes the best defense is a good offense and they kept the Islanders pinned in for long stretches of time And it, but it, it comes from determination and a willingness I mean John Cooper at least three or four times used the phrase warrior warriors to describe his team and how they were able to play and how they approach the game now And I found something very interesting. I'm going to write a little bit more about this on my site at lightninginsider.com, but I'll give you a little preview here. After the game was over and there's a trophy presentation, the Prince of Wales Trophy is awarded. Normally it's to the Eastern Conference finalists, uh, the team that wins the Eastern Conference, of course. There was no conference based play this year, uh, but the Islanders and the Lightning both were playing for the Prince of Wales trophy. So after the game and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly comes out, then he presents it. You know, they call over the, the leadership group. So Steven Stamkos, Alex Calorin, Victor Hedman, and Ryan McDonough were called over, and then they call the whole team over, and then they call everybody over. Every player that has been with this team since the end of the season and the the Black Aces and, you know, those guys, you know, the Alex Baribolets, the Ben Thomases, the Cal Foots and Matthew Josephs and, you know, guys who haven't been dressing for games were waved over, come on over, let's take a picture. It's a moment, like it's, the the old phrase, "A, a picture's worth a thousand words, I think a picture like that is worth a, a thousand hugs. Because it, it, to me, it it just sort of epitomizes the, the, the type of atmosphere that has been created inside that locker room and with this team and with this organization. It, it's... T- Family, if you want to call it family, you know, caring for each other, but also understanding that it takes everybody, right? It's not just the 18 skaters and two goalies who dress on a nightly basis. They're a big part of it, but they're not the only part of it, right? You think about the contributions Jamel Smith made to this team this year. The contribution even a Daniel Walcott, who finally made his NHL debut after being such a great leader in Syracuse through the years. He is still with this team and he is part of this journey. The entire training staff, not just you know, the Ray Thills and, and the Rob Kennedys and the Jason Burgers and you know the guys who were there. Um, on the forefront every day, the equipment guys, the training guys, Tom Mulligan, Mike Poirier, you know, everybody. Everybody came out to take a picture, to be a part of it. And I think that's very telling about the mentality of a team, the makeup of a team. And we actually got a glimpse of it last year when the Stanley Cup was, was handed out after Tampa Bay had defeated Dallas. Because normally the the presentation is made with just the captain and the rest of the team is kind of off to the side. But in this case, and we still haven't figured out who asked for it, I, it might have been Julian Breezebois. But I'm not, again, I'm not 100% sure on that. But somebody, because Gary Bettman even made the announcement that the lighting have asked for the presentation to be done this way, where the entire team, so even the players who weren't in the game, and that included Steven Stamko's, Uh, who didn't dress for the game. They're in their gear. Of course, they want to go on the ice and celebrate. They brought them all over. They brought them all over for the trophy presentation. Rather than just giving it to the captain and the captain takes it to the team, the team came to the trophy as it was handed out to the captain. So you had a little bit of that vibe with the way the trophy was handed out tonight, the Prince of Wales trophy was handed out tonight. And of course, the first thing... That we look for when that happens. Do you touch it? What's the superstition? What's the protocol here? It's kind of a silly... Silly superstition in hockey, but it's still there. But remember in 2015 when they beat the New York Rangers... In Madison Square Garden. Steven Stamkos did not touched the trophy. And again, that was a trophy presentation that was made with just the captain, right? Nobody else touched it. And then when they won it last year, when they defeated the Islanders in 6 games, they absolutely touched it because they hadn't touched it in 2015. So, hey, let's go the other way. So you knew if they won it, they were going to it was going to be touched. Not only was the trophy touched tonight, it was handed out. It was handed around. It wasn't quite paraded around, but it was it was it was handed out and moved from player to player. So I, I you know, uh, again, just the way teams celebrate and and the way they do. It. You know, I was on with Jay Retcher on the ninety five point three Facebook page after, and we talked about it. It's, you know, in sports, you're meant to win trophies. Doesn't matter what the trophy is. You know, you want to win trophies. There's, there's an ultimate trophy in this case that you're chasing, and that's kind of always a superstition. Don't want to touch the trophy; you don't, you know, you're not chasing. But be proud of what you've accomplished. You know, you, there's still work to be done. You know, this team still has another series to go here. But celebrate what you did. You got a couple of days off before the Stanley Cup final starts. Celebrate it and enjoy it. It is an accomplishment. It's hard enough to get to one Stanley Cup final, as the Lightning and their fans know. To get to a second consecutive one doesn't happen much. Certainly doesn't happen much in the cap era. You know, you had Detroit and Pittsburgh were actually back to back foes in 2008, 2009. Pittsburgh got the back to back and won back to back in 2016 and 2017. You know, the Lightning has the opportunity to, to join a very exclusive club as back to back champions. You know, Pittsburgh is the only team in the cap era to win back-to-back Cups. Before that, you got to go all the way back to 97-98 when the Detroit Red Wings won back-to-back championships. So understand what it means and celebrate it. But it's just interesting that, that you know, they kind of create this family atmosphere that they get it um, to get it done. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. Uh, so what can we kind of expect? Uh, we'll do a we'll do a series preview podcast um, before the series start, but just kind of give some quick thoughts on Montreal. Uh, the Lightning have opened its heavy favorites, and that's not a surprise. Um, but <laughs> as anybody knows, you do not take this Montreal team lightly because uh, Toronto couldn't put them away when they had them down 3-1. Winnipeg, who had swept the Edmonton Oilers in round one, couldn't win a game against Montreal. They move on to the league semifinal. Hey, look, I'll be honest. I didn't think that Montreal had a prayer against playing Vegas in the semifinal round. Not a chance especially after the way game one transpired. Yeah, Montreal played pretty good, had a really good first period, but eventually Vegas took over that game. And then Montreal won game two, and then the series turned on Marc-Andre Fleury's gaff in game three. They're up 2-1, to one, and then he gives the puck away uh, with about a minute and a half to go that allows Montreal to tie the game. Um, and then you know the Canadians. They just they play structured. They've got some bigger bodies back on D with Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie and Joel Edmondson. They've got a, a Cole Caulfield, who the lighting have never seen, who's brought a different dynamic to that team. Yes, Barry Kanyemi is playing much better than the last time these two teams face. Nick Suzuki has kind of turned into a really good player. Philip Deneau is probably one of the better defensive forwards. You know, he's the guy that was tasked with shutting down Austin Matthews in the first round. They He, he was matched up primarily against Mark Stone. You know, that top line with Stone and Pacioretty almost non-existent. In fact, Vegas only got one goal out of their top 6-4, no two, because Riley Smith scored... In game six, they got two goals out of their top six forwards. They got a lot of production from the back end. They didn't hardly get any production out of their top six. So the Canadians are not to be taken lightly despite the fact that they were the 18th ranked team in the league during the regular season. And look, this is a different regular season because everything was divisional based and all that. Um, But they're here for a reason. You know, they, they only control what they can control, and that's the opponents in front of them, and they've won three series to reach this point. And, oh, by the way, they have Carey Price in net. And he's had an outstanding playoffs. And the lighting know what they're up against. I mean, they faced Price twice in a playoff series. Got swept by Montreal in 2014, and then you had, you know, the 15 series where Tampa Bay was up 3 nothing in that series in round two against Montreal. Um, And then Carey Price brought it back to a game six. So they certainly know what they're up against in Carey Price, uh, especially if he's going to play the way that he has in in this postseason. So Yanni Gore, the hero, Andre Vasilevsky, the hero, Ryan McDonough, the unsung hero from game seven. Didn't know how they were going to react. Uh, didn't even mention the fact that Nikita Kucherov and Eric Chernak were both in the lineup. Luke Shen was scratched. Uh, Jamel Smith did take warm ups tonight. Uh, was obviously, was scratched with, with Kucherov playing. It was interesting to hear Nikita Kucherov after the game said that he had no doubt he was playing. Uh, but I tell you, I can tell you, he did not look comfortable. That was noticeable from warm up, but he went out there and he played. He played well. He didn't play at his level. He didn't get a a power play opportunity. So he wasn't able to put those skills and that opportunity on display. But uh, he was in the lineup, and he made a couple of nice passes. Didn't really shoot the puck a ton, which kind of gives you some understanding of what might be bothering him. But he was out there, and he played. He's going to get a couple of days of treatment here before the series starts. Um, You know, I thought the line of Tyler Johnson, Pat Maroon, and Ross Colton were great tonight. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I thought they were fantastic. Tyler Johnson's got some pep in his step for sure. The Goodrow line with Gord and Coleman, again, were great. Uh, Braden Point's nine-game scoring streak, nine nine consecutive games with a goal comes to an end, but I think he's okay with that. Uh, And again, Yanni Gord comes up in a big big moment I've been saying it with with Jay Retcher the last few days that I just felt Yanni Gord's game was gonna come up at some point and make an impact and, and he almost did in game six because he was fantastic on the penalty kill uh, he didn't end up with a with a point in that game uh, but I thought he was great and I thought he was great again tonight he just never quits he never stops sort of like this team you know they they've just shown this amazing resiliency to bounce back after losses even tough emotional losses they had a chance to advance to the Stanley Cup final in game 6 and they had a two nothing lead even after losing Nikita Kucherov 2 minutes into the game they still built that two nothing lead And then not only do you lose the lead, then you lose the game in overtime, just over a minute into overtime off of a rare turnover by Blake Coleman. But they're able to push it to the side and compartmentalize it and move on and get ready for the next one. And boy, were they ready for this one. Uh, John Cooper was asked after the game what he learned about his team in this series. And he said to never count them out. And that's just resiliency that's been built up with this team. And it all stems from the heartaches and the hardships and the losses and the disappointments that they went through starting in 2014, culminating in 2019, to get them to where they are as 2020 Stanley Cup champion and now here with a chance to defend their title that they won just about eight months ago in the NHL bubble, they have a chance now to repeat their championship and put together a special season and a special two seasons, uh, and that all starts on Monday. All right, don't forget about our special partnership with Smack Apparel and the folks over at SmackApparel.com. If you use the code BOLTS21, B-O-L-T-S number 21, you will get 21% off any order at smackapparel.com. They got some great uh, Tampa Bay hockey-affiliated, the back-to-boat shirt, the big cat shirt, some other great things you can find there. But they have some other great stuff, too, uh, if you're a fan of uh, other sports. Uh, I told you my son, who's a big Manchester City fan, we actually have a shirt uh, that says, Keep Calm and Beat Manchester United. Uh, that is a Smack Apparel shirt. So they have a lot of those type of things too. So it's not just hockey. Uh, they are a Tampa-based company, by the way. So you support them. You support local. Uh, again, use the code BOLTS21 at SmackApparel.com for 21% off any order you make. All right. I'm going to check out for now. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, share this podcast. Make sure everybody knows it's out there. I appreciate all the support. Check out my work at Lightning Insider. I got you covered for another round all the way through to whatever the next series is going to bring. It should be a lot of fun. Amelie Arena was rocking. Amelie Arena is going to rock again. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun to see this team back in the Stanley Cup final. And we get to watch it in person. For those of you who are lucky enough to get tickets, uh, of course, I'm uh, fortunate enough to be in the press box for uh, these games. Uh, But it's an electric building after everything that we've been through the past year. Missing out on watching all of that take place in the bubble. Have to watch it from afar. We get to watch this up close and personal. And myself, I can't wait. I know you can't either. Again, we'll do a series preview podcast at some point before the series starts on Monday. So until then, we'll talk to you later.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.